The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Navigating the journey called life doesn't get any easier as we move through it, but we can learn from what we have within us to make it more enjoyable in the long run. Welcome to Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Your host is Alexandra Janelli. In our program, we set out to provide you with the undiscovered wisdom within you to handle even life's bumpy spots. Now, here is the host, founder and practitioner of Theta Spring, Alexandra Janelli. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Alexandra Janelli, owner and practitioner at Theta Spring Hypnosis and Coaching here in New York City. Welcome back to the Mental Sherpa Show on the Voice America Radio Network, the Empowerment Channel. The Mental Sherpa Show, I just wanted to give a brief overview for any new listeners out there of sort of what our mission and goal is and how we're working through each of the sessions. That really our goal is to help you begin to have a better understanding and relationship with yourself on this journey of self-discovery that we're on. And when we begin to have a better relationship with ourselves, what begins to happen is we begin to experience the world a bit differently and we begin to show up differently for ourselves. And so each session that we're going to begin to go through through our episodes is really beginning to tap into some key integral parts of ourselves and to really begin to understand a lot of key components that I've seen uh, working with clients over the years. Last week, what we actually spoke about was the different energy levels that we all go through and whether you've had a moment to sit and think about them or download the forms, I just wanted to do a brief review of them with everybody. Now, there's two types of energy in this world. There's catabolic and anabolic energy. Catabolic can disgrade our systems. It can come across as very negative. And you've been around catabolic people. They leave you feeling a bit drained and underwhelmed. And then there's anabolic energy, which really restores the systems, builds you up, and makes you feel really good inside. And so these two types of energies express themselves in the seven energy levels that we had talked about last week. Now, you can always download our forms, which give you a brief tutorial and overview of them on the website, thementalsherpa.com. And under the Episodes tab for Episode 2 are the Form Download uh, buttons. And you can always find them, of course, on the ThetaSpringCoaching.com website. So just a brief overview of these energy levels, which I want people to remember that each of these energy levels we all go through during the day, that they're perfectly normal. It doesn't mean that you're going to stay in one all the time. But each of them does come correlated with some emotions, which is what we're going to begin to further get into today. So level one is where we have the highest amount of catabolic energy, and we call that the victim state. In the victim state, it doesn't mean that you're a victim yourself. It just means that you're typically at the effect of the things that are going on in your life. And so when you're in this victim state, the tagline becomes, 
why bother trying? I'm only going to lose. And coupled with the victim state, there tends to be a lot of guilt, doubt, worry, fear, embarrassment, uh, anxiety, there's low self-esteem, and there's a lot of focus on yourself. Now, I want you to remember that it is a normal state to go to, and we all go there. The next level is level two, just as a reminder to everybody. And level two has more energy to it because you're much more likely to take action. In level one, there's not a lot of available energy to take action in your life. So there's a lot of inaction that can happen. So level two is the fighter. And there's a lot of shaming and blaming and anger and frustration that can happen. Uh, There's a lot of focus and fixation on what's going wrong. And level two, you're just more likely to take an action. Now, what happens is when you begin to shift into level three, level three is what we call the rationalizer. There's a little bit of anabolic energy happening here, um, but typically there's a lot of coping mechanisms that are in place, a lot of toleration of things in your life, and it leads to a little bit of forward momentum, but most of it is sort of tolerating everything that's happening. And so what happens when you're in level three, it can be a great place to shift you, the stopping ground is shifting you up into the higher energy levels. So level four, again, is where you start to get more of the anabolic energy coming in. And what happens with people who are level four energy is they're caregivers. And caregivers tend to have the mantra of, don't worry about me, let's focus on you. And if I win too in the end, that's great, but it's really all about you. So there's a lot of love and caring and thoughtfulness uh, to ensure others are okay. But again, what happens with a level four is you're not necessarily in the picture. And so the question becomes, how do you place yourself back into the picture? Level five is the opportunist. There's a lot of non-judgment that happens here. You begin to sort of transcend the ego. The ego begins to lessen and you begin to focus on a much bigger picture of compassion and there's always an opportunity everything so the idea in this state is really to understand that as you begin to zoom out of all the details you begin to see a bigger picture which connects you outward as well into other people level 6 is the visionary where there is fearlessness intuition and you really begin to see everything from a top down perspective. So you really can see how everything flows together and functions. And you're much more centered within yourself where the world just seems much easier to connect with in the bigger picture. And then seven, again, is the creator state where it's it's not a sustainable state. We tend to know when we have it and know when we don't. Um, but when you do have it, it feels absolutely incredible. And so there's a lot of passion, acceptance, joy, and just pure bliss. And so I just wanted to sort of start with going on a recap of those because there are some strong emotions that do come up in a lot of these states. And we tend to want to avoid the lower levels of one and two, even though these are normal. And what I've become to recognize in working with a lot of my clients is how intolerant people have become of emotions and We've become a society that keeps saying we have to be happy and, you know, if you're not happy, something's wrong, even though there is a whole gamut of emotions that do come into play. You know, we tend to like certain emotions more than other emotions and we tend to judge certain emotions that they're trying to hurt us or harm us. But the truth is that many emotions are like colors. There are just some colors that we like more 
And the question always becomes when I'm working with a client is, how do you begin to stop judging an emotion and begin to understand it? And so today, that is what we're going to begin to talk about is, you know, understanding our emotions. And I've brought in today an expert, Dr. Nadia Friedman, who's going to be helping us uh, shed some expertise and light uh, with her experience in terms of being a psychiatrist and analyst and having extensive research and clients that she's worked with. Um, and so I'd love to in, uh, introduce Dr. Friedman here with us today. Um, Dr. Friedman's a board-certified psychiatrist in neurology with postgraduate uh, psychoanalytic training uh, at Columbia University. And so I wanted to invite you here with your expertise and just say thank you for joining us today. Hi, Alex, and thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. And so I thought it would be an interesting place to start uh, just maybe you could begin to explain a little bit about what what is an emotion. That's a great question uh, to start with. We can look at the word, and the word emotion actually contains the word motion. Motion is the movement. Emotion is movement carried outward. And emotion in itself represents an outward expression of feelings feelings being deeper states we experience. So emotions, by nature, are social cues. They're ways to connect to others. They're ways to act in the world. They're ways to experience the world. It's so interesting when you talk about that because, you know, I was reading this really interesting book, and I can't remember the name of it, how, you know, little girls and little boys will take in information so differently and how much of it is about reading the emotional cues from the people around them. And what you're talking about really makes me think a lot about how we do interact with each other is, you know, through these emotional experiences is what bonds us, you know, whether it's happiness or a painful moment, they really do connect us. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how emotions sort of develop and, you know, why you think from your experience we might be more uh, drawn towards certain emotions and maybe drawn away from other ones? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. Um, Girls, and it's been well established, are better than boys at discerning social clues and being emotionally attuned by nature. And as far as the second question, emotions are uniquely human, and they arise very, very early in infancy. We're all born with instincts to be close to our caretakers, to interact with them, to be involved. We're all born with this capacity to be with someone, but we don't have the capacity to discern how. So in the beginning, there's this reciprocal interaction between, let's say, the mother or the father and the infant, where they establish a way of interacting with each other, where emotions starting to develop from different states, from different states of the infant. Let's say when infant is unhappy, the parent can let infant know through various signals what it feels like. 
So the infant has the concept of the emotion. And also unique part to humans that emotions can grow and they can morph and they can multiply and become different forms of the same emotion and become very complex. They can be, we can have a blend of different emotions. And again, a lot of it arises in the interaction. We just come predisposed to have it. It's it's so true what you're speaking of, how emotions can morph and they become so much more dynamic and meaningful, not only in the emotion itself. I, I'm guessing just in, from the work that I've done that as you begin to go through life, you might start with, you know, a simple feeling of anger or, you know, frustration, but it can morph into as you go through life and gain your deductive reasoning, frustration can turn into resentment and so many different it's almost like different shades of the same color and how emotions really begin to develop as you develop. I think that's such a, an interesting thing to, to understand in your life script is that you're not necessarily born with every emotion built into you, but truly you begin to really learn them. They, they, so in essence, is it correct to say in some ways that emotions are learned they are created. They are created in the interaction. Some of it is learned, yes, from caretakers, but a lot of it is actually created by a child and then adult. And they can become very complex as long as we allow themselves to be, to evolve. Yeah, and I was reading the Four Agreements by Michael Ruiz, where he was telling, speaking about how children, you know, they, they don't have a, a whole universe built yet. It be, We almost, just like animals, become domesticated into our environment. And as we become domesticated within that environment, we really do begin to learn the pleasure and pain, and we become very accustomed to seeking certain feelings more. Like, we know when we're being punished, and we know when we're being rewarded, and we don't want to be punished necessarily, but yet later, at later dates, we tend to punish ourselves more and more and we cause suffering, which I know we're going to speak about in the second seg- segment of uh, this show. And so, you know, it's so interesting to be able to sit and talk about emotions and, you know, what is your theory on the more painful emotions? I mean, we tend to judge emotions of they're good, they're bad, they're they're this, they're that. And what is your sort of theory on having worked with many, many patients? Well, there are emotions which bring us discomfort because every emotion is a message. Emotions have motivational component to it. They're to teach us. They're to motivate us. So displeasure or pleasure are great learning tools. Think about getting a cookie if you did something right or getting a spanking or whatever punishment if you did something wrong. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. But what sometimes happens is, and we can go back to thinking about a little infant who is just in this world, just came in, and all the feelings are very raw. So whatever is it, if it's a loss, it's a complete loss. If it's a joy, it's complete joy. Right. And as, again, as a child grows, things become more complicated. 
emotions become blended together, they're more complex, they're not as raw and as painful. But sometimes people don't want to go into more painful states. And those raw states stay the same. They sort of walled off. They never get blended together with all the other experiences. And when they come back, it's excruciatingly painful. Absolutely. And we we really have, you know, become a pain-adverse society. I mean, I, I would think it's perfectly normal. You know, the mind does work on the pain and pleasure principle. And even the way that the subconscious and conscious mind are set up, it doesn't like what it doesn't know. That's incredibly painful. And so that's why, you know, when I'm working with clients on anxiety or fears or worries, there is this component of the unknown, and yet, at the same time, it can be so painful for them to go back in time to really understand their life script and what has happened to them. You know, no one wants to relive it, even though it's almost like we relive it over and over and over if we haven't processed it. And, you know, what I think a lot of people are working on now, and it sounds like with your practice as well, is how do they start to process these emotions and understand what these emotions are doing for them? And not to them. And, you know, that's why I thought it was imperative to have you on this show with your expertise is, you know, to come at it together on how people can really begin to process these emotions and utilize tools. Have you noticed um, certain things that happen when people go to those painful moments and the importance of releasing pain for understanding it? Well, One of the things which happens, and I usually disappoint people by my answer, they think that they can control it. Right. And they cannot. If you're there, you're there. And if you truly accept it, it's a relief. Because actually the painful emotion of sadness has hope in it. Sadness allow us to mourn something, right? to lay it behind, and to look into the future, to recapture the loss. But if you will not allow yourself to be sad, you are forever stuck in the land of nowhere, with no future. Right. So it's so important to learn how to embrace these things, that they are part of us, and, you know, each emotion is a part of us. So when we come back from the break, what we're going to do is begin to talk about these parts of us and the choice between pain and suffering and get a little bit more in depth about these emotions. So join us when we get back with Dr. Nadia Friedman and myself, Alexandra Janelli of Theta Spring Hypnosis and Coaching on the Mental Sherpa Show on the Voice America Talk Radio Network Empowerment Channel.
Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit thetaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people, your environment, fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life? It seems like we do, but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control. How do we get our thoughts back on track, so to speak? Listen for help. My thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Metal Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aginelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to The Mental Sherpa Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Mental Sherpa Show with your host, Alexandra Ginelli of Theta Spring Hypnosis here in New York City. I am joined today with Dr. Nadia Friedman, who is our esteemed uh, colleague who is a psychiatrist with expertise in treating a variety of psychiatric and behavioral conditions, including depression, anxiety, and trauma. Today, what we're talking about is emotions and how they develop, what emotions are, and how to really begin to embrace them. The goal is to help people have a deeper understanding of these emotions that we do experience because they're all very normal. And the more that we can begin to understand emotions, the more that we can begin to embrace them. And so the last segment of what we're going to be talking about today, uh, later, is really giving you some tools to move through that. But before we get there, I wanted to re-engage with Dr. Friedman and ask her a little bit about the idea of pain and suffering and, and the emotions that do come up with that. Well, that's a great question, and it's... Um their pain and suffering are two different things. You can experience pain and you can actually tolerate it. But the suffering which goes on top of it is very hard to handle. And what frequently happens when people experience painful emotions, instead of allow the pain to be there, again, experience sadness, experience loss, they 
assign judgments to it. No, that's not right. That's not how I should be feeling. This is a bad feeling. And they increase their suffering hundred-wise. So it's very important to discern those judgments or those secondary feelings or labels we put on our emotions and recognize them and remove them because those primary emotions, again, as we talked, are very important and they're great learning tools for us. Absolutely. And, you know, just to relate this back for my listeners to the energy levels, when we tend to fall into the victim mentality where there is a lot of guilt and shame and some of those heavier feelings, we really don't want to go there. A lot of times we judge it. And when we do, we actually end up in level two, which is the fighter, where we begin to self-blame and shame and we judge ourselves and we really become our own biggest block in the healing process. And what I always like to remind my clients when I'm working with them is that there's nothing innately wrong with any level. All, there is always a benefit and, a, and always a disadvantage to each one, even the good ones. Because if you're running around at a level seven, which is sheer bliss and joy, you can become very unrelatable to a lot of people who aren't resonating at that level and you'll have a hard time connecting with them. And as I always say is how can you begin to have kindness and compassion for these parts of you that are suffering, that are in pain? I usually try to get people to get curious about what's going on and have compassion for whatever is happening and try to look at what's What's the feeling underneath without judging it? Again, all emotions are good. They're all there to help us. Right. And I believe you had mentioned, you know, when we were sort of talking just uh, before, that there are different types of emotions. There are primary and secondary. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about those. That's a very important concept. Um, It also has to do with learning. Uh, how t- to handle our emotions because we have emotions, we have cognitions, and we have actions. And sometimes we're taught by others or learned from the environment that the actions or emotions we're experiencing are not acceptable. So we put another emotion on top of it. Or emotion could be simply shame-inducing. For example, if you feel sad and lonely for somebody, it could be very shameful. So they became become angry about it and resentful instead of understanding that they really are sad. Right. You know, I see that a lot with my clients when they come in. They'll be like, I'm just angry. And, you know, they'll try to convince me that that's the the emotion, but I said, if you put the anger aside, how are you really feeling? And a lot of people will come up with, I'm scared, or I feel fearful. And it's, how do you begin to dig underneath that, that the anger is almost the reactivity of that initial emotion. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It's a reactivity of the state of helplessness, the state where you need someone else's help. Because anger is very action-driven. Anger is 
somewhere where you find yourself with your sense of agency, where you can do the things and you can do a lot of destruction. Right. You're I win, not, you lose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a victim and you don't need anybody else. Right. So go into those states where we feel dependent on others is difficult. Right. You know, and it is interesting when you're talking about these emotions, especially anger, because it is so prevalent, you know, that I see it a lot in, you know, business owners and clients where they feel like if they're not fighting for themselves, who will? And I'm assuming in some of the work you do, it really helps people begin to understand their patterning of why they might be angry too. And, you know, I see it also with clients who are sometimes more in the victim state or the caregiver state. They don't want to disappoint people. That disappointment is an incredibly heavy emotion to sit with. You know, I, I know I personally don't like disappointing people and it sits heavy with me. And so when I, I'm a caregiver, then I end up in the victim state because I go, well, what about me? Because I'm giving so much of myself. And it's so interesting to begin to understand your emotions and to dig a little deeper into them to really understand because it gives you so much space to really understand, okay, well, if that is the emotion, I am lonely underneath the anger, then what am I going to do? What do I want? What is it I want to do? It makes it so much clearer to decide certain options, I'm guessing, too. You can make choices what you're going to do with it because vulnerability allows us to get close to people and very intimate but again they're not everybody you want to get intimate with so setting boundaries perhaps a little bit of anger right and a little bit of resistance helps right and you know just as we were talking about you know our belief systems that get built from the moment we're born until today it's almost like some of these stronger emotions these stronger emotions really begin to dictate, you know, are challenging our belief systems, right? Like we begin to, as we grow up, challenge what our parents might have believed, where maybe a child who had experienced physical abuse, they don't want to abuse their children that way and they become overly caring or overly protective. And it's always interesting to see the patterns of how certain emotions can cause different behavioral responses in people. Absolutely. It's not just the anger is always on top and vulnerability on the bottom. It could be the opposite. It could be quite an angry person underneath somebody who is very sweet and protective. Right. And, I'm, you know, I'm curious about people who do experience sadness. You know, I, I get a lot of clients who come in with self-diagnosis uh, diagnoses who will say, I'm experiencing anxiety or I'm experienced, I'm depressed. I'm a negative person. And I'm sure being a psychiatrist that you do see a lot of people who are depressed and sad. And I'm curious about the part, the, the part medication plays in the emotional field, because some of them really are imbalances. And could you maybe talk a little bit about medication and emotions and tolerance? Well, let's say, let's take depression and let's look at the, what's, what does the word depression mean? Depression, something is depressed. It's pressed down. And what frequently happens is the feelings are pressed down so much that people are not aware of them. They do have feelings, but they're unconscious. 
but without feelings. They feel empty. They feel void. They feel lack of agency. And they also, and most importantly, feel hopeless. But if whenever moments and emotions try, try to arise, they met with either hostile and acceptance disorientation, which creates anxiety. I don't know what it is. I have never seen you go away. Right. So it's important to understand it, that depression actually is not an emotion. It is the mechanism of keeping emotions down because they're either unacceptable or they're unknown. Right. It's almost like someone saying, you're not allowed to be too happy. You're not allowed to be sad. You have to hold it all in. It's like sweep it under the carpet, pretend everything's okay, which does become a coping mechanism in some ways until later in life, it really does become a problem. That's, that's true. So going back to medications, what medications allow people to do and why I always say that medications alone are not going to change someone's depression or anxiety. What they allow someone to do is to be relaxed enough and to be in a better state of mind where they can explore what's underneath and allow those emotions and feelings to come up little by little. Sort them out, look at them, make friends with them, accept them. So in some ways, medication does give you a little bit of that space and support to tolerate some of these scarier emotions a little Absolutely. bit more at a time, which I think is, is such a benefit for people when they need mm-hmm. them. You know, I, I know that one doctor had once asked, you know, like, if you broke your arm and you, you needed a cast, you would go, right? Versus, you know, a lot of people have been medication averse where sometimes if you need glasses, you need glasses. And right. And, and re- remember, with depression and with anxiety, a lot of those emotions are really in the raw state. So when they come out, they come out as a, as a hurricane. Right. So nobody can handle it. Having a little bit of medication is like having a good vessel to go through the storm. Right. And I like that you're saying just the medication alone isn't going to fix everything. It doesn't auto-correct, but there really is a component of understanding yourself and these emotions that really is an, an emotional release and freedom for yourself. Freedom, and it also will give you ability to go further with what you have, meaning once you learn about your self-states, about your emotions, you can name them. You can use them. You can blend them together. Right. You can make friends with them. Yeah, and as I always tell clients, you know, there the, each emotion that happens is like a part of you. You know, there is the angry you, the sad you, the happy you, and we tend to shame and blame them, and therefore we feel not whole. And the more that you can begin to get to know what the angry you is trying to do or the anxious you, they're probably, while the message is coming across quite painfully or fearful, what they're doing for you is trying to keep you safe and protect you. Like, remember that time you gave a public speech and you messed up? I'm trying to spare you the shame of doing it again. And it's how do you begin to embrace these parts and 
the stories that they can tell you to say thank you. Absolutely. And the recent movie Inside Out speaks just to that. Absolutely. We need all of our emotions and all of them are our friends. They give us information about what's going on. They tell us what to pay attention to and what we can drop. They also, importantly, connect us to our past because our memories could be triggered by certain feelings. Absolutely. And it's so, you bring up a wonderful point in terms of hypnosis and how we work is that we don't, even what we do in hypnosis, if we ever do regression work, and we're going to bring on uh, Dr. Mari Terzaghi to actually talk about uh, hypno-regression, is you're not following a memory. You actually, because you might not remember it yet, what you begin to follow is the emotion through different times in your life when you felt it. And what's really incredible is how people can begin to relate back as the person that they are now who's had so much more experience to go back to those moments in life to re-experience it differently with a whole new consciousness and mindfulness to really begin to understand how to release some of these emotions. Not, not that they go away, but what it helps you begin to do is really tend to that emotion on a different level and see what was helping you do and so it's really quite empowering work as well to work in the subconscious states as well and I think that's great that's a very important point that emotions like colors and they can go retroactively and change the coloring of a particular experience again in the movie Inside Out we saw it and they can also create the future we can use them, it's sort of like a time machine, to think of how we can imagine what will come. And that's a great segment into what we're going to be talking about next, is how we really begin to understand that where you are now and how to utilize some wonderful tools to move you forward, to build that future, not of anxiety, but of excitement and opportunity. So my name is Alexandra Ginelli, your host on The Mental Sherpa Show owner and practitioner at Theta Spring Hypnosis here in New York City with our special guest, Dr. Nadia Friedman. We will regroup after the break and enjoy the commercials. Anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit thetaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are or if you even have no faith. You are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Metal Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aginelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to The Metal Sherpa Show. Welcome back. This is Alexandra Janilli with The Mental Sherpa Show, your host and practitioner and owner at Theta Spring Hypnosis. I'm here with Dr. Friedman, who is a expertise in the areas of psychiatry and behavioral conditions, including depression, anxiety, and trauma. And today we're really helping our listeners begin to understand emotions and the benefit that they play in our lives, even though we've become very avoidant of them. And what we're going to begin to talk about is a bit about how to begin to embrace your emotions because it is tricky. And you'll begin to, when I begin to sort of push clients and push their buttons a bit in my sessions, I push them towards an emotion to really go there. I can see their body language start talking to me immediately. You know, they're photo begin to tap. You can actually see their face withdraw. You know, they might even shrink inward. Their body language just changes completely, which is great. You know, I always tell people, listen to your body. It's telling you something. And it's always interesting to have someone sit with an emotion and to sort of say, I see you and I'm here with you. I'm holding the space for you. Uh, Dr. Friedman, could you tell us a little bit about some techniques and things that you've really found useful in your practice, helping clients begin to get to know their emotions? I think one of the important things is to create a story of emotions. Let's say a child goes to pre-K and it's the first day. It's the first day of seeing your parents leave and you stay in somewhere in the place where which is unfamiliar, and it's scary, and it's upsetting. And it could be the experience of loss, but not just that. If you look into it, for every child, it's a beginning of something new. It's a story of 
the loss of the parent or the parents fading away and the child becoming part of the society, becoming part of the social group of their peers. So that's the story of emotion. It's a story of being somewhat let down and feeling sad and yet finding something. That's so incredible, the idea of telling stories because our fear and our anxieties, they do tell us stories. They tell us stories of what our future is going to look like in these negative ways. And I love that idea of being able to tell yourself a different story and relating it back to the energy levels, you know, when you can shift it to see the opportunity. Like, there's always an opportunity somewhere. We just sometimes have to dig a little deeper to be like, well, you know, this is the first day of school and it's really uncomfortable and I'm not going to know anybody, but the opportunity is, but think about all the new people there are here to meet that I don't know yet. And it leads somewhere. But what frequently happens is people become stuck in the first part right. where it's a loss or a heartbreak or some unfortunate event. Right. And they... Not that they did not have a better experiences afterwards. They just don't see them. They don't connect them. They have a little melody, but it doesn't become music. Right. And what's important is to help them to construct the piece of music, which flows naturally. So next time they hear a major note, they know that the minor note will follow. And there are rules to it. So... We are creatures of expectations. Absolutely. So whatever we expect, we will see. It's, and it's so true because in, in hypnosis, we'll give a suggestion. It's almost like planting a seed. You know, you'll say you're going to begin, for example, I don't typically use this one, but you're going to begin to see blue everywhere. It's not that that person wasn't seeing blue everywhere. You're just opening their eyes to seeing it more. Exactly. So the key is to open all the possibilities, to become adventurous. And again, it starts with the past. It starts with discovering all the other colors and all other emotions and losses and joys and adventures and carrying them forward. And can you... Describe a bit when people begin to embrace their emotions, right? And they begin to do that really hard work. What are the benefits that people might begin to see and experience in their life? One important benefit is they have a better sense of themselves. They're less hesitant. They're more self-assured. They're more hopeful. They're not crushed by small misfortune. Right. And they're also better connected to others. They're much better social creatures. They interact with ease. And again, they don't allow little disappointments to crush them because there's music. Right. It's so wonderful. I'm sure just it's the same for you to have worked with clients in this area of really helping them feel that sense of self. And that is the purpose and the mission of the Mental Sherpa show and what I do in my practice at Theta Spring. 
is to really help people get to know themselves because the truth is that life never gets easier. You really just get to know yourself better and you begin to have this internal compass that helps you navigate through the stresses in life. And it's not that you're never going to be stressed or get stressed or have emotions come up. It's what happens to you when they do and how long do you stay there? And most importantly, the stress or fear will not get in the way of you experiencing the world because a lot of times people narrow themselves to very few things out of fear of experiencing emotion which they haven't met before or they deem negative or unpleasant. And they rob themselves of so many wonderful ways of living their life. Right. And, you know, when I think about tools and techniques that I help clients with, um, I always say one of the most powerful and simple things that you can do is to just acknowledge that you're having a reaction. It's to acknowledge, yes, I'm feeling something, right? You get up on stage. I'm not saying that you have to say this out loud before you give a public speech, but to just acknowledge, yes, I'm nervous. I'm nervous and it's normal. And it's normal. Emotions are normal. If you're not feeling any emotions, you're probably wrong and you're just averse to feeling them or identifying them. And it's how do you just acknowledge it first? I'm having this feeling, and it's okay. Because acknowledgement really takes the energy out of a lot of emotions. And that's where what you do and what I do comes into play as a very important tool. Because, you know, contrary to belief, or some people think that they can do it themselves, or self-help folks might be, of value, and they are, yet experiencing emotion, especially disturbing states like anxiety, with someone who can sort of hold you and provide safety in the place of discomfort really goes a long way. And I know a while ago you had mentioned to me this powerful statement that has always stuck with me that what's uncomfortable at first becomes comfortable the more you get to know it. And it really does help release it on so many levels. And where Dr. Friedman and I typically do work together and how I've seen this wonderful process occur, you know, talk therapy and therapy and analysis and all the, it really helps you begin to put words to your emotions because your emotions do come from a deeper, more subconscious place. They are innate and there aren't words for them because they are feelings. And sometimes talking with someone about it helps you begin to place words around them to make them relatable and understandable on a conscious level. It doesn't necessarily always give the shift, though, but sometimes awareness is always the first step in a process. And what you know, hypnotherapy can help you do is really take that understanding of this emotion, this awareness, to go back onto a subconscious level to even begin to shift the idea that where, you know, you have a whole new definition where you can process it differently and in a lighter, more freeing way, where it becomes a choice. And there is a wonderful hypnosis recording that I put together on my store that you can also always find on thementalsherpa.com under episode three. It's called The Emotional Release, where it helps you go through the hypnotic states to 
really begin to feel it and say, this is my emotion, like hold it in front of you. But that it's a choice. You don't have to hold on to it forever. That just like a train, you can release it and let it go so that another one can come in. You have to hold it for a moment to process it, and then it can move through you. That's absolutely correct. And the words and putting words onto emotions and feelings is very important. We make them real. We make them into our friends. We make them into something we can deal with without having a name. They're like wild animals which stampede through our ordinary life without being invited at random. Absolutely. And we've all felt those emotions. You know, there is a reason when you finally have the vulnerability to say how you feel to a friend, it's so comforting. Or to even if it's your therapist, there is this idea of sharing with them how you feel. There, there's no doubt that it, it is such a release because you're being acknowledged. The part that becomes very tricky, and I always tell people to try not to do it, is hold the acknowledgement. If you're a friend and you see someone in pain, acknowledge their pain. You're not saying you accept it. You're not saying it's right or wrong. You're just saying, I'm here. I understand. Again, or it's normal. It comes with ability to tolerate your own pain. Because if it's difficult for someone to tolerate their own sadness, they jump into getting others out of their state, of course. which is rarely helpful. Right. We all want to do the fixing. and you, you know, I see it a lot in clients. They want to spare people the pain of what they've experienced in their past, but it's part of our journey. We want to spare them, but it's also we deprive them of having the experience. Yes, and it is their experience to have. We're not responsible for others' reactions and how we begin to just at least hold space for them to have their experience. It is part of their journey, and their journey is very different from ours, and we tend to like to give advice. Here's what you should do. (laughs) But that comes from a place of having had your experience, and it might not be the same, even though there are many similarities. So, Dr. Friedman, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and for being part of the universe that's helping people move through their lives and being such a resource to people to go to for help. And um, I hope it's, it's just been a pleasure to have you on the show. Do you have any sort of closing insights of what you'd like people to have a takeaway of today? What can I say? Feel the universe and be in the moment. And it was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, being in the moment, you know, everyone talks about it, right? That mindfulness. It's where you just stop and look around. Engage with your environment. As you're doing it today, take one minute to just stop and see what's around you. Look up, look down, look around. You are not alone and you're a part of something so much bigger. Be part of that so much bigger. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Take a moment to experience around you. There's a whole universe. My name's Alexandra Janelli with The Mental Sherpa Show, owner and practitioner at Theta Spring Hypnosis, here with Dr. Nadia Friedman in New York City. Have a wonderful day. Thank you again for tuning into Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli hopes you'll join her for another edition next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time 
11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, have a nice week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.